Well, good morning. It's good to see old and new faces here this morning. And it is a hard act to follow both the Word of God read and then Wendy. <laughs> I love the transition part. That was my favorite. So, uh, <clears throat> well, we are this morning. We're continuing to walk through the book of Exodus, and over the past several weeks, we've learned that by God's providence, the Israelites found themselves in slavery in Egypt under a ruthless and foolish new king. And while their circumstances are dire, and Pharaoh is trying to do all that he can to rid Egypt of the Hebrews, we see God raising up a leader by the name of Moses to rescue his people. When we left our story last week, Jochebed, Moses' mom, had placed Moses in a makeshift ark and sent him down the Nile River. And then it just so happened by God's providence that Pharaoh's daughter was out bathing in the river when Moses came by. She felt compassion for this young baby, and she took the baby, she rescued it, she adopted it as her own child. Now, as we continue in our story this morning, looking at verses 11 through 22, I want us to consider two things from this passage. First, the failure of Moses. And then secondly, the grace of God. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. We pray that you would give us ears to hear. We pray that you would transform our hearts through your word, that you would convict our hearts through your word. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your bulletins, I encourage you to open to Exodus 2, verses 11 through 22, or you can look in your Bibles. And the first thing that I want us to see as we look at this passage is the failure of Moses. Now, the author begins in verse 11 telling us two things. First, we learn that a long period of time had elapsed between the last scene that we just read and this one. The author tells us that Moses had grown up, which we know from further passages in Scripture meant that approximately 40 years had passed. Secondly, we learn that Moses had a lot of things going for him. If you look in verse 11, we read that he went out to his people, which in some English versions reads that he went out from the palace where he had grown up to be among his people. The author here is specifically reminding us that Moses is a prince. He's a prince of Egypt with all the privileges and advantages that come with being in the royal family. He was educated in Egyptian history, language, and customs. And he was trained to be a great warrior, prince, prepared to fight against any enemy that would threaten his grandfather's throne. He had eaten the finest of foods and had the opportunity to freely travel all over the ancient Near East. And from verse 11, we also learn that Moses was fully aware of his Hebrew heritage. The author tells us that he went out to his people. 
And in Acts 7.25, Paul writes about this account. He says, Moses was acting according to a divine vocation as he understood it. Meaning that Moses saw himself as God's appointed deliverer. If you remember last week, after Pharaoh's daughter rescued Moses, she needed a midwife. I mean, a nursing woman to to nurse the baby. And so Moses was taken back to his mom so she could nurse him. And it was through those interactions over those years that Moses began to hear the truth of God. Moses got to know his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam. He learned the Hebrew language, the traditions, and the ways of God. Moses Moses received the best from both his mothers. And as we read on in our passage, we see also that Moses was kind-hearted, showing compassion for his Hebrew people who were suffering and demonstrating kindness to rules Reuel's seven daughters when they were caught in the dispute at the watering hole. Moses had so much going for him. Educated in the Egyptian ways, aware of his Hebrew heritage, aware of God and faith in him. Yet with all of this going for him, what we discover in our verses this morning is a man, a leader, who failed miserably. The author tells us that after leaving the palace, Moses went out to see his Hebrew brethren. And as he was walking along, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. The Egyptian here was most likely a slave master who was abusing one of the Hebrew slaves. And then the author tells us that Moses was deeply burdened, troubled, upset over what he was witnessing. And Moses, knowing God's heart for justice, struck down the Egyptian. He killed him. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, this isn't a failure of leadership. We serve a God of justice. And as I mentioned earlier in in Acts 7, Paul tells us that Moses was sent as an appointed one to deliver the Hebrew people. So didn't he do the right thing? By killing this man? The answer is absolutely not. Moses knew taking the law into his own hands was wrong. And we know this because before he killed him, if you look at the passage, he looked to the left, he looked to the right to see if anyone would see him. And then, after he killed him, He took the man's body and hid it. And then the next day, the text tells us that Moses went out from the palace again. And this time, two Hebrews were fighting one another. And enraged by their actions toward one another, Moses confronts them. And they turn to him and they say, Who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill us? Like you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. Moses was afraid because he knew what he had done was wrong. The secret was out. His failure was laid bare for all to see. And as soon as Pharaoh heard what his 
grandson had done, he sought to kill him. And so Moses had to flee Pharaoh to the land of Midian. One commentator says this about Moses' actions. In the work of God, mere human effort, however well-intentioned, committed or influential, results in failure. Moses, who had everything in the world going for him, and who had a kind heart, he failed. And then he tried to cover it up, and eventually had to flee Egypt to Midian, Midian, or else lose his life at the hand of Pharaoh. And to make matters even worse, as we read on in our passage, Moses' failure of leadership delayed deliverance for the Hebrews for 40 years years as he lived in Midian, got married, raised a family, while his brother and sisters suffered under the harsh rule of Pharaoh. So I want to pause here for a moment. As we think about Moses' failure, what are the implications for us today? And I want to share with you three implications. And the first is Our failures have consequences. So we need to seek holiness. We live in such an individualistic society that I believe sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that our good and poor choices don't impact others. But what we see in our passage this morning is that our failures not only impact us and our relationship with God, they also impact those who are close to us. And even sometimes those that aren't so close to us. When I was on staff with InterVarsity, I remember Kim Green, the staff at Wake Forest, giving a talk on the life of Saul. As you know, King Saul, he disobeyed God. And instead of destroying everything in a raid as God had commanded him, he took some back as an offering to sacrifice to God. His failure led to not only him losing his office, but it also led to great heartache for his whole family, the future king, David, the nation of Israel. And I can remember Kim, as she was talking about Saul's failure, she told us a story about her own failure as a young student leader. She told us how one lie began a ripple effect throughout the chapter. And as much as she tried to cover up and manage it, She saw one friend after another friend after another friend getting hurt. The lesson for all of us for Moses' failure, and for that matter, King Saul's failure, is that our poor choices have far-reaching consequences that we can't often foresee. And therefore, we should... We should look at Moses and this failure as an example and a warning to us that we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, need to pursue holiness in the small things and in the big things. We need to remember that our choices don't just affect us, they affect others. The good choices bring life, and our disobedience brings about pain and hurt. So church, we need to live a life of faith, of love, and of truth. We need to align our lives with the truth of the gospel as best we can. 
and we need to take responsibility for our walks with Jesus, always realizing that we don't live on an island or in a bubble. We live in community with one another. So the first implication as we look at Moses' failure is that our failures have consequences. Therefore, we need to seek holiness. A second implication as we look at Moses' failure is that we need to learn. We need to be reminded that leaders are going to fail us. Therefore, we need to offer forgiveness. In our passage this morning, we see that in spite of all the things that Moses had going for him, and in spite of his kind heart and faith in God, he failed as a leader. And the truth is, there is not one leader in Scripture other than Jesus that has not failed. Abraham lied about who his wife was, which ended up getting her taken into a harem before God intervened. Jacob deceived his father and stole his brother's birthright. King David had an affair with Bathsheba. Jonah ran the other way when asked to go to Nineveh. Peter denied Jesus three times on the very night in which Jesus was betrayed. Paul got into a huge conflict with Barnabas over John Mark. Phoebe and Syntyche got into a huge conflict that almost divided the local church. And I could go on and on and on about the men and women, leaders who have failed. The truth is, political leaders, principals, teachers, parents, coaches, firemen, police officers, nurses, doctors, elders, deacons, and pastors are going to fail us. They're going to do things that are wrong. They're going to disobey God this side of heaven. And their actions are going to hurt you and cause pain. Our text today tells us this is going to happen. And I can confidently say that there's not one person here that is also going to fail and hurt someone around you. So I want to implore you to not only preach the gospel to yourself, I want to ask you to offer forgiveness to leaders around you. I have a Facebook account, but to be honest... I don't ever post anything. I go through and like it from time to time, different posts that I see. I never interact with it. But as I talk with many of you, I hear stories of how vitriolic people are on social media toward our government officials on both sides of the aisle and how vicious they are to those who don't share their views. Brothers and sisters, yet by the grace of God, Go you and go I. Therefore, as followers of Christ, we need to be the first to forgive. We need to be the last ones to throw stones at others. Our Facebook posts need to be laced with words of forgiveness and grace toward one another. And I would ask you, as a man who knows that I'm imperfect, and as a group of elders and deacons and community group leaders here who are going to fail you, who have failed you, I would ask that you would offer the same forgiveness to us. 
Leaders are going to fail you. They will hurt you. But what separates you and I from the world is that we don't condemn one another and slander one another, but instead we offer forgiveness to one another. This is otherworldly, and this kind of love will scream out on social media and around the world that there's something different about us. Because I don't know about you, but I don't hear much about forgiveness in the media, and I certainly don't hear much about forgiveness on Instagram or social media. And yet, in this passage, what we learn through Moses' failure is that leaders are going to fail us. And we are called to offer forgiveness to them. And so one implication we learned from Moses' failure is that failures have consequences. And so we need to seek after holiness. A second thing we learn is that leaders are going to fail us, so we need to offer forgiveness. And thirdly, we learn that only God is worthy to sit in the judgment seat. Let me repeat that. Only God is allowed to sit in the judgment seat. So let's make sure that we get out of that judgment seat. I'll be very brief here for the sake of time. Moses' failure resulted because he took the law into his own hands. He became the judge, the jury, and the executioner. The Bible is very clear that the only one who is good... The only one who is good and who is worthy of sitting in the judgment seat is God himself. He is the one who we will see next week carries out justice to free the Hebrew slaves. He is the only one who is quite frankly, any one of us should ever want to sit in the seat of justice. And while he sometimes invites us to participate in his justice, It should only be done at his direction and in his power and walking in the Spirit. Yet I can't tell you how many times I try to jump in his seat. I can't tell you how many times I hear others jumping into his seat. It's so easy in our broken world today to climb up into God's chair and to try to be the arbiter of justice. We so easily see things on television or on social media and we act as if we are judge and jury and executioner. Moses did this and the altar tells us that he failed. And because of his failure, he delayed justice for 40 years. None of us here want to delay justice for 40 years. So we need To get out of God's seat. Let's stop judging one another. And judging others. We are not all-knowing. We are not omnipresent. We are not perfect. And as Jesus said to those ready to stone the woman caught in adultery. He who was out without sin. Throw the first stone. And one by one. Starting with the oldest. They dropped their stones and got out of God's seat and walked away. So the first thing that we see in our passage today is Moses' failure. 
And we see the three implications of that. The second thing that we see in in this passage this morning is God's grace. As we move on in our story, we see that Moses is on the run. He flees Pharaoh and goes down to Midian. And while in Midian, he sat down by a well. One author tells us in verse 16 that the priest of Midian, he had seven daughters who came to the well in order to draw water for their father Reuel's flock. And as they were drawing water, a group of shepherds drove them away. And we, we hear that Moses was sitting there, and this time, instead of being the judge, jury, and executioner, he was the peacemaker. And he asked the shepherds to leave. He protected these women. And then he even watered their flocks for them. And so when they got home, they told their dad everything that had transpired. And Raul says to them, call him that he may eat bread. Raul opened his home to Moses, a stranger and an alien. And as we read on, Moses continued to dwell with them. And Raul gave Moses his daughter, Sipporah, to marry. And they had a son by the name of Gershom. For Moses said, I have been a sojourn in a foreign land. What we see in this story is Moses flees to Midian and is taken, by, taken in by Raul and then given a family of his own. We see a beautiful picture of God's grace. Moses deserved death at the hands of Pharaoh. He deserved to be rejected and treated by a foreigner, by Raul and his family. But what he received was acceptance. What he received was forgiveness. What he received was God's grace, God's love being demonstrated through Raul and his family. One commentator says, maybe the most important initial lesson for Moses and for us from his flight to Midian was that the Lord still loved and cared for him in the midst of his mistakes and failures. One of my favorite hymns, it's familiar to all of you, Amazing Grace. And I love the lines, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Moses was lost, but now is found. Was blind, but now he can see. T'was grace that taught his heart to fear and grace his fears release. T'was grace that brought him safe thus far and grace that will bring him home. Our story this morning is a beautiful picture of God's grace poured out onto Moses. Likewise, the author is reminding us this morning that God wants to extend the same grace to you and I. No matter how great our failures, no matter what we have done, no matter how many times we get up in God's judgment seat and cast judgment on others, no, many, no matter how many times we, we fail to forgive others, God's grace is sufficient. And as we repent and head home, we, like the prodigal sons, will always have a father that's running out to greet us, to plead with us, to come back inside, to come enjoy the party, to come and enjoy the father's presence with us. My hope is that we will all receive his grace this morning. And in so doing, that we in turn will be grace givers 
as we leave this place. I love God's word. I love how real it is, how gritty it is, and beautiful it is. And I hope as you go into your week that you'll come back to this text and that you'll read it again and again and again. And you'll remember and see that God's man that he chose to bring about redemption failed miserably at the beginning. And likewise, leaders are going to fail you. I'm going to fail you. The elders are going to fail you. You're going to fail others. And there's consequences to our failure. So we need to be a people who seek holiness. We need to be a people who offer forgiveness. And we need to get out of God's judgment seat. And stop judging others. And being the jury and the executioner. But instead, offering words of grace. And this morning, we get the privilege of coming to this table. This table, which is a visible demonstration of the gospel, a visible demonstration of God's grace and his love poured out to you. But before I institute these elements, I just want you to take a moment and reflect on Moses' failure and God's grace. Take a moment to reflect. Are there areas in your life where you're not pursuing holiness and therefore there's consequences that are hurting others around you? And to ask the Lord to forgive you. Are there moments in which you have judged others and sat in his seat and you need to confess that to him and say, I need to get out of your seat. Only you deserve to be there. Will you just take a moment just to close your eyes where you are and just let the Holy Spirit come and move amongst you?